I am Georgia Martel and you're listening to the Oh Shit Twins podcast, a podcast created to directly talk to the parents of multiples. I'm going to be interviewing Alison Perry, content curator and writer. We're going to be discussing all things twin mom life, the IVF process, how she's adjusted to her life with twins and her upcoming book that's coming out in March. So stay tuned. Hi, Alison. So I just want to again thank you for agreeing to be on the Oh Shit Twins podcast. Hello. So today <laughs> it's just going to be all motherhood adjustments. Before you had your twins, you had a daughter yeah. already. And also yeah. you went through the IVF process to have your twins. I did, yes. So we're going to be talking about that and then exciting stuff around the, around the upcoming book and how that happened and how you even managed to write a book with twins <laughs> as an accomplishment not, all by itself. I'm not even sure how I did it, to be honest. <laughs> that's the thing when you're multiple parent you're just like you just do it you feel like how do you cope I don't know I just, just don't. I just yeah. so after your first daughter did you always think that you wanted to have more children and things like that so try and keep this succinct and brief because I, <laughs> I have a tendency to waffle about this stuff so I guess before I before I had her I always thought I always imagined myself to have you know maybe two children and you know maybe even three and then when, when, we, when we had her nearly 10 years ago, I suffered from fairly bad PND. Mm. And I didn't know it was PND at the time. I didn't get it diagnosed. I didn't realize. I just thought that I was really bad at this motherhood stuff. I just mm. thought I was struggling and not yeah. coping as well as all of my friends. And so for maybe two or three years, I really agonized over whether I wanted more children or not because I knew deep down that I did want more children but I didn't know if I was strong enough to potentially go through the same scenario again so I think my daughter was maybe three when my husband and I were like okay come on let's we we can do this let's let's try for another child Mm -hmm. and then we basically didn't get pregnant didn't get pregnant and it was five years from that point Mm -hmm. until we had the twins Mm -hmm. and so it was like a couple of years of you know trying to see what happens like I came off the pill and just let's just see what happens and then it was like oh actually this this isn't working should we go and speak to someone about this and then there was fertility treatment and eventually then two rounds of IVF Mm -hmm. and then the second round of IVF worked so in a bit of a nutshell, <laughs> that's how we got to getting, yeah, getting pregnant with the twins. Just to backtrack a little, when did it go from, okay, we're just trying and nothing's happening to going to the, like a fertility clinic? I actually went to a, I guess, uh, a women's health doctor. I'm not sure what, what his title would have been because I was having really bad hormone fluctuations mm-hmm. and it was really affecting my mental health and I actually went to him to get treatment for that and he put me on to medicine which I think adjusted my insulin levels and yeah. he advised me to kind of cut back on sugar that I was you know eating and drinking and that really helped but then basically just through conversations with him I don't know whether he was just touting for more business because I, I, was see, I was seeing him on the NHS, but a lot of his business was private. So I don't know if he was just touting for more business. And he was like, so anyway, you know, you've been trying for you know, another baby for two years. That's quite a long time. Yeah. And it was just kind of this conversation with him where we were like, oh, yeah, actually, maybe we should do something about this. Mm. But annoyingly, because we already had a child, we weren't 
um, eligible for any kind of NHS fertility treatment. Mm -hmm. So it was basically a case of, well, actually, no, we had fertility treatment on the NHS where it was, they gave us medication I yeah. took in case that helped my, you know, my fertility increase. So they give you that on the NHS, but when it comes to actually IVF, they're like, no, actually, we can't do anything more for you. You've got to go to um, a private hospital for that. So that was quite a gutting moment where it was like, this is going to cost us so much money and we yeah. haven't got so much money, but oh, we've come this far, you know. So it was tricky. It was hard. So then now the IVF treatment, how was the toll on your body for you? Because I know from speaking to other mums, the injections and hormones, it, it can really be, you know, yeah. just, just a lot on you as a person and hormonally and stuff like that. It's tough. And I think because I had had quite a few years of hormone fluctuations, yeah. I, I was almost, I was quite well prepared for it. Okay. And I had done a bit of reading and chatting to friends who'd been through it. And one of my good friends had been through it kind of just a few months earlier. So oh, I was kind helped. of... I was kind of with the same doctor bizarrely so I was kind of like just watching her every move and asking her questions and like how do you how are you feeling and what's that like mm -hmm. and I think it was one of, the, one of those things that the first round that we did we did over a summer and with IVF usually you have to go in for so you're injecting yourself over the course of like two weeks mm -hmm. and you have to go in like every sort of two days it does vary from clinic to clinic but you have to go in very regularly to be scanned so that yeah. they can see whether it's working and whether, you know, there are eggs, you know, being produced and all of that kind of stuff. So you're kind of, you can't really go anywhere and you have to, this is, this is going to a bit of detail, but you have to inject yourself with hormones at the same time every single day. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing this at like 7.15. It had to be like 7.15. It can't be 7.16. <laughs> it had to be 7.15 um, every evening, which meant that I couldn't go out. I couldn't go meet friends for dinner or for mm. you know, or drinks or whatever. And so I really felt like it kind of emotionally, it took a lot out of me that summer because I felt like I dedicated the whole summer. And we, didn't, we couldn't go on holiday anywhere. We obviously didn't have the money to go on holiday. So I really felt that we kind of invested the whole summer into this IVF treatment. Um, and then when it didn't work, it just felt like, oh my goodness, like yeah. all of that, you know, the, the cost, the emotional input that we've put into it, you know, the dreaming about, oh, you know, we could be pregnant in, you know, in a few weeks time, you know, yeah. imagine, and that means in nine months time when you kind of plan forward and you think, oh, you know, what if, and then all of a sudden it's like, no you get, you know, you get a period and it's like, oh, right. Okay. So All of that was for nothing. And it's really, I've written a few blog posts about it. It's, I think it's really, it's emotionally tough. It's really hard. Mm. And then when you did your second round and that worked and then you found out twins, twins, <laughs> how was that for you? Well, you know, bizarrely. So the second time we had, two eggs put back in mm -hmm. um and they always obviously say to you there's a risk of multiple pregnancies and they they generally don't like to encourage you to put loads of eggs back in yeah because yeah. you know there's, there's a real high risk with multiple pregnancies as you know yeah and so we had two eggs put back in and we went for a six-week viability scan so when we you know got you know positive pregnancy test amazing couldn't believe it I actually 
had had a bit of spotting like the day before and was convinced that that was it you know yeah. it hasn't worked again and I was texting a friend of mine who had been through and a different friend who'd been through IVF recently or she'd been through it a few times actually and um she was like Alison no you're pregnant it's, it's the implantation bleeding you're 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 pregnant like, she was convinced and you're like no I was, and I was like don't raise my hopes but I was and it was amazing to get that positive pregnancy test so then six weeks later, the clinic get, get, got us back in for a viability scan just to make sure that, you know, the egg is implanted mm. properly where it should be, that it's not like topic pregnancy. Yeah. So we went in, had a scan. The consultant who had done the procedure scanned me and she was like, um, great, there's the sac, there's the heartbeat, all's looking fine, it's in the right place, off you pop. So <laughs> off we went. We were like, great, and- Everything's fine. Everything's tickety-boo. And it wasn't until maybe five, no, almost six weeks later, we went for our regular 12-week scan mm-hmm. at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And we walked into the scanning room and the uh, sonographer said, is this your first scan? And we said, no, we've, we've already had a scan. Um, like, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, old hat at this. This is, this is no problem for us. And the sonographer said, oh, so you know it's just the one then? We were like, yeah, yeah, we know it's just the one. <laughs> and they started scanning us and they said, hang on a minute, you were told it was just one? <laughs> and my husband and I were like, yes, why? <laughs> and yeah, they were like, yeah, it's two, it's twins. And we just could not believe that we'd been for a scan already and we'd been told it was one. one. And also... Oh, uh... This consultant, she had put two eggs back in me herself. Mm. So you think <laughs> so she'd you know, a, a chance. <laughs> why wasn't she having a good old rummage with, you know, with the, you know, the sonograph? Why wasn't she properly checking? So yeah, it was a bit of a shock at 12 weeks to discover that we were having two when we'd been kind of quite smugly thinking everything's fine and it's just the one. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're prepared. We're prepared yeah. for one. We can do this. We've done it before. <laughs> So now it's twins and planning mm. for that exciting new addition to your family. Yeah, so we were we were like in shock. I don't know what you were like. Oh, you was, looking it back, it's obvious I was in shock. It yeah. After I stopped doing all the Google searches of what all the possibilities that could happen. Yeah, I was just sort of walking. Uh, yeah, I was in shock because you're just like, how the hell do I prepare for this? In your mind, you just always think one baby. So just in your head, you're like, okay, yep. You know, you're budgeting, you know, a car seat costs this much, this, and everything is, oh, oh, lovely. Double everything. Yeah. And if you're thinking, what do I need two of? And what can I get away with just having one of? Yeah. yeah. And because, you know, even when you have just one baby, you have all these people telling you, you must buy this, you must buy that. You know, you've got to have, this is the essential buy. And then you buy it and you don't ever use it. You think, well, that was a waste of money. And so you think, well, that's going to be twice over. What, you know, we're going to be buying two of everything that we don't need. Mm. Yeah, it's so much to take in, isn't it? It is. But how was your pregnancy generally? I was really, really lucky with my pregnancy. Yeah. So we were told at that 12-week scan that it was identical twins sharing one placenta. And for that reason, they were worried about twin-to-twin transfusion yeah, syndrome. That's I had the same thing, yeah. And so from 16 weeks, they got me in every two weeks for a scan. Mm-hmm which partly was a pain in the backside because yeah. especially like I had to get a train to the, the hospital and like, you know, taking my massive 
pregnant belly mm. waddling down to the train station in the in the heat of the summer it was two years ago in 2018 and i don't know if you remember we had we had a big heat wave your girls must have been around about one then yeah and we had such a heat wave it was literally like 40 degrees and there was me like waddling down to the train station with my big bump to go for these scans and but also it was really nice and reassuring because it meant that every two weeks I had somebody say yep everything's fine don't worry and then really weirdly we are now pretty much convinced that they're not identical twins because Mm -hmm. my girls look so different Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you know they're just like they couldn't be more different in personality and appearance so I actually now think that part of the reason that my pregnancy was so smooth running was because they weren't identical and I think maybe two percenters fused which can happen mm, mm. looks like one percenter and so through the whole pregnancy they thought that I was much higher risk than I actually was mm. but at least I got lots of scans and you know reassurance I remember the scans and it was reassuring but also you held your breath because sometimes they they're doing the scan they're not even t- you know they're going to doctor talk and you're yes. like they're like, okay, you're going to like tell me, like, oh yeah, yeah, everything's fine, everything's fine. I'm like, oh, okay, I can breathe now. But they go off into their little, their conversations. They and you're do. just sitting there like, I need you to tell me if everything's okay. So I can just let, you know, exhale. And I also remember, because you know, when you're pregnant, especially kind of later on, you're not meant to lie on your back, are you? You're mm-hmm. meant to lie on your side. Yeah, so I've been lying there on my back for ages being scanned. And there were times when I was actually about to pass out. And I don't know if it was to do with, the way that things were pressing on nerves or what it was but there was maybe two or three times when I had to say to them I'm gonna have to sit up and get a drink of water I'm really I feel like I'm gonna be sick here and like to me I I couldn't even imagine having scans that would make me feel that way because I'm just so used to you know my my first pregnancy would kind of like jump on the bed have a quick scan off you go go, But they're there scanning you for like 45 minutes or an hour, checking so many things, which is good. You know, you want them to be checking everything. So so now your lovely daughters have arrived. Yes. And (laughs) how was just readjusting? Do you you have a daughter before? Mm. Readjusting to now having two babies in the house and still having to manage everything and and, and give give your first daughter some attention. Yeah, it was a real challenge and because she was, she was eight. She just turned eight when they were born. And it was a real challenge that we, we put loads of effort. When I was pregnant, we put loads of effort into chatting to her about the situation. Mm-hmm. And she was so excited. I mean, kind of for years, she had played like mums and dads and pretended that she had two little twin sisters. And they were, called, they, were called, they, were, they were called Lucy and Lily. And, and so when she discovered she was having twin sisters, she was just beside herself with excitement. So we had to kind of like temper that a little bit by saying to her, you know, they're going to be, you can't play with them when they first, they were first born. They're going to be really boring. They're going to cry a lot. There's going to be things that we can't do. Because she was so used to being an only child and us like taking her off to the park all the time or, yeah. you know, days out, going up into London you know going out for lunch all that kind of stuff and we were like you know there's gonna be a lot of things that we're not going to be doing for quite a while and I was saying to her you know they're going to be really annoying it it sounds crazy but we were trying to manage her expectations yes manage her expectations so that she wasn't 
massively disappointed when these really boring crying babies were suddenly around but it's been like she's just been a complete dream in, in a way like she's just she loves them to bits and she's kind of old enough that she understands and yes. you know we can explain to her certain things and there, yes we've had moments of her saying it's not fair you know you spend more time with with the twins than you do with me or you know silly little things like that but I think that's natural that's her just adjusting natural adjusting yes. to sharing your time she had you all to herself exactly and actually since we've been kind of through the pandemic and the lockdown and everything she she's kind of gone into this slightly sort of preteen sort of stage she's definitely kind of like growing up to the point where she's really happy this is probably a really bad thing i've been missing here but she's really happy to like sit in the living room watching tv watching youtube playing minecraft and being mm. on her own mm. whereas maybe a year ago two years ago she was really almost like a little puppy dog like come and play with me come and play with me which yeah. we all, all, all we always did but it's been quite a nice timing thing where she's kind of retreating into that kind of being quite happy just hanging out on her own in her own company when we have to, you know, we've got these toddlers toddling about and we have to obviously watch them all the time. Like, don't touch that. Oh, be careful. Oh, don't bang your head. You know, our attention is on them more now than ever. Mm. So actually it's quite fortuitous really that she is the age that she is. I remember reading on your Instagram about like, your readjustment as a family unit I think I remember correctly your husband stays yes. staying at home yes so how does that wow do you know what <laughs> <laughs> whatever works for everyone anyone's families but how did that conversation come about well, I can imagine it's look like however we're doing it now something needs to give something's not working so how did that yeah. conversation go well basically kind of I guess for years while we were trying to have another baby I always had it in the back of my mind that I didn't think I'd be able to spend nine months or a year on maternity leave on my own with a baby and I know that it would have been different because I had my my, my older daughter and we did the school run with her and you know it is different to the first time when it's just you and a baby yeah. on your own in an empty house with daytime tv so I guess it's always been part of the conversation with us where I've kind of said I want to need more support and to begin with it was a case of thinking well do we get my mum to come down from Scotland for three months to live with us it was yeah. that kind of conversation yeah cool. but then as we when I was pregnant with the twins my husband was a primary school teacher and we just had this conversation of I think it was me that brought it up I kind of said you know it kind of doesn't really make any sense because so doing the job that I do being a writer and podcasting and doing a bit of influencer work I make more money than he does as a primary school teacher mm -hmm. and I think to him, this doesn't really make any sense that you know two weeks after the twins are born you trot back off to primary school teaching he, you know he's working long hours yeah. and like primary school teachers oh my goodness the work they put in the planning the marking it is nuts and I honestly believe that they should be getting paid the same as like city boys in the oh, city of course of course I've got friends that are teachers and literally I don't see them until half term because they've got so much work to do so much to do and it's such an important job that they're doing like they're shaping the minds of these little kids I, you know I could talk about her for hours it makes me so cross that they're paid so little 
but yeah, we just thought this doesn't make any sense. And then, so if I'm not, you know, earning any money and I'm on my own with three children and you're working long hours. So we basically decided that he would take a bit of a career break mm-hmm. and be at home. And then I think the twins were maybe, I think they were like three months old when I started doing a couple of little bits and pieces of work, but properly when I went back to work, it was, I mean, they were probably five months old. Mm-hmm. But it was ideal because it meant that I could be working, I was working from home. Yeah. So I was still breastfeeding them until they were 10 months old. So it meant that I could do a bit of work, pop in, play with them, feed them, come back and do a bit more work. It was just, it just felt like the luckiest situation to be in. Mm-hmm. And so the, the twins are currently 20 one month old I think you lose track don't you yeah right, right about this time right about this time you lose track and my husband's still off and yeah at the moment it's working really well and he's been able to kind of do the homeschooling of my eldest while she's been mm. off school as well so oh and him being of, a teacher is, is, exactly. <laughs> it's worked. I could do this. <laughs> I've been doing a bit here and there but he's definitely better than me like you know he's he's got the training he knows yeah. what he's doing he understands fractions for a start which I'm just like oh, I don't know what is going on here <laughs> I'm definitely like we my um other half I'm like I do I'll do the science because I love science in school and you do the maths that is not my <laughs> maths is not my strong point <laughs> so in between all this obviously how long have you actually been like blogging and writing and well my eldest was nine months old when I started my blog so okay, well... nine nine years it was it was June that I started it so yeah so nine years I started my blog and yeah Instagram obviously more recently mm-hmm. when when obviously that that launched um so yeah quite a while I feel quite like I'm, while. I've been around <laughs> yeah so well, that's good because sometimes people see because obviously you've got a, a, a book upcoming book coming out yes sometimes it seems like everything's very quick for people but if you've been like you know writing blogging for nine years yeah that, yeah and before that you've, so- put, you've put a bit of work in before the, the book deal <laughs> a bit working before, before I was blogging so when I had my first um, and my eldest, I was on maternity leave from working um, in magazines. So yeah. I worked at Moore magazine. I don't know if you remember Moore magazine. Mm-hmm. But I, I was working um, at Moore when I was on maternity leave the first time round. So, yeah, I feel like I've been, like, writing okay. since I left uni, really. Yeah, yeah. So how did you even, you know, manage a book deal? How did all that happen in the midst of <laughs> motherhood twins? Husband, life bills. I know, I know. Well, it's something that I was thinking about for quite a few years. And I kind of, I guess I kind of put the idea to the back of my head because I was put off by the idea of being almost like just another Insta mum who's writing a book about motherhood. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't want to, I guess, be kind of like put in that box yeah. and for people to dismiss me. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, oh my goodness, that is crazy. Like, why am I letting my fear, that classic thing, isn't it, of <laughs> listening to those fears and allowing that to stop you from actually trying? Yeah. And I think I'm quite bad not trying just in case I fail. <laughs> like, I'll be like, no, no, no. And I'll make excuses. No, I'm not doing that because. It really is because I'm scared that I won't succeed. Mm. Um, but actually, when I was pregnant, I was, or even before that, I think, I was pulling together book ideas and I had a whole different book proposal, which I pitched to, I can't remember how I did it, 
I think I pitched it directly to the publisher. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was talking to a few different literary agents as well. And it all kind of happened at the same time where I think almost like one helped me secure the other, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. because Because I had a publisher interested my literary agent was interested and vice versa. You joined joined the dots. Yeah, I I had a friend who said to me, it's a bit like dating. You have to almost like pretend that you're popular to then become popular. (laughs) Pretend you've got loads of men after you and then the men will come after you. Oh, of course. It's always the way. (laughs) So, so yeah, I actually pitched a completely different book idea. Um, And then I went in for for a meeting. The, The publisher basically said to me, not quite sure this book's going to work it's too similar to an idea that we've already that we've already got but I really like you and what you're doing so come in for a chat and between us we came up with this idea of well actually why don't we do a book about twins mm-hmm. and it's just been the most incredible amount of hard work I completely underestimated how much work it would be and because in my head, I was like, well, if it's 20 chapters, it'll just be like 20 magazine articles or 20 blog posts. And that's fine. You know, I can, I can do, do that. that. And I was given a deadline of, I think it was January of this year. And beginning of December, I was like, I think I'll, I think I'll start writing the book now. <laughs> like <laughs> complete, complete idiot. And then as I started kind of wading through what I needed to do and realising the huge amount of work that was ahead of me, I was just like, oh my goodness, what have I done? I'm such an idiot. And luckily I managed to get my deadline extended and then completely coincidentally, it kind of, it kind of, my deadline was running at the same time that this pandemic kicked off in the Mm -hmm. UK and my publisher said to me, we're having to push back all of the all of the publication dates so it's been pushed back from September to March and I was like phew yeah, <laughs> so I'm I'm actually, I've got longer to write this book but no I'm really proud of it it's uh, you know it's not often that I will say that something that I have done is blooming brilliant but it really is oh, and I feel really weird amazing. saying that but I've interviewed like over 60 or 70 experts and twin mums and pulled together all of their stories and created what will hopefully be a really helpful useful guide to the emotional mm. roller coaster it's really kind of like focus on the emotions because there are books out there that will tell you you know these are the issues you might have these complications that you might have with twin pregnancies this is you know what your breath will look like and all of that information is in there but it really focuses on how you're feeling yeah what's going through your head you know, giving yourself permission to feel all the emotions that you're feeling, even mm. if they're conflicting with each other, and just yeah, helping you through that whole process. Because that's the hardest. That's the hardest part, I think. Obviously, I don't have any. I never had any children before, mm. and I don't have anyone around me that's had twins. So, it, even though I'm very well supported, there's still, and also my girls went through the whole NICU being born at 27 weeks. Yes. It was extremely isolating, but it's, it's is- so even though I had people, it's the thoughts that run yeah. through your head because you can't share. No one understands that even though they, you know, everyone's trying to be empathetic and supportive, which they are. Yeah. They don't actually know what it feels like. So now when I've like came back onto social media, cause I came off of like everything. So then when I've like got twins or multiple parents and they say certain things, I'm like, Oh my God, you totally understand. You get it. Yeah. You get it. Like, <laughs> 
Were so, you in a, did you join any kind of like twin Facebook groups or anything like that? I did all of that quite late, later on. I didn't mm. even, I don't know. It's really strange. I didn't think, not that you don't think they existed. I just think I was so wrapped up in what's going on. I yeah. didn't really look. I um, think though that that's almost like, you know, you've got two routes. Yeah. You either go down the route of, I'm just so immersed in what I'm going through right now and all I need is what's around me. Yeah. Or you have the other route, which is I need to read everything. I need yeah. to speak to everybody. I need all of the information in my head. Do you know what I mean? Like I think you're yeah. either one that kind of person or you're kind of that kind of person. Because I started off that in the beginning and then me and my other half was like, no, I need to come off because you get keep on getting told, you know, this risk, that risk, this yeah. and it was it was information overload so then I just literally said you know what I'm just gonna come off and just not look at anything read up bits and bobs but try and not go into a google time warp but just sit there like just having information thrown at me because that's something that I I struggled with when writing the book actually I didn't struggle with it but it was something that I was really mindful of was giving all of the risks and facts mm. especially around twin to twin transfusion syndrome mm-hmm. and like the real serious risk that's really important that pregnant twin mums are aware of the thing the signs to look out for yeah that course. they can look out for themselves like the tightening of of you know of um the belly and that kind of stuff but without scaremongering because yeah. the last thing you want is to make a perfectly calm happy pregnant twin mum read something and kind of get them really feeling anxious and worried because that's not going to help anybody so getting that balance right is is quite hard I think it is hard it is hard and everyone reacts to information differently so in my case I'm pretty good with the factual stuff but then I feel calm but then my emotions like later on it might hit me like the next day then my mind is just like Zoom, zoom, zoom. This, processing this, it all yeah so I'm a bit delayed mm. and then I'm just like oh my god like this is a lot this is a lot to deal with yeah um, so it was a mixture of was it interviews and you said facts yeah it's, it, yeah it's, it, yeah I've got loads of experts on there so like you know midwives psychotherapists nutritionists women's health you know physios just like basically everybody who might have something useful to say about <laughs> about the, the kind of twin pregnancy and birth and the first few months along with loads of different stories from twin mums mm. you know because I've only got my experience so yeah. I only know I only really know what happened to me so I've interviewed loads of twin mums and it just took such a long time as you would expect because partly because when I get chatting to you know other people and they're telling me about their you know experiences I just kind of want to know more so I'm just Mm -hmm. it takes like an hour of chatting and then I've got to kind of like pull out the kind of relevant bits and like shape it into something for the book so yeah it took months it took months but I'm so so pleased with how it turned out and I I've had so many messages from like twin mums saying I'm having my twins next week or next month you know, is there any chance you can send me an early copy of the book? Oh, you know, like, that's amazing. I, I really need it now rather than mm. next next year. It's no good to be next year. So that's a really good sign, I think. I think that mm. people, I think twin mums really need this book. So that's good. So you said it's released in March. Did you say March? March, March yeah. So, okay, so, so, so but by then we should be able to have a good celebratory party. 
exactly so so COVID heavy you could actually enjoy and celebrate your release of your books I'm sure you want to actually like do the rounds and have some events around the book I do and I really want to do I really basically want to have whether this will happen because of budget or not I don't know but I really want to have like a mum's night out knees up where it's just like people can come along and have a few drinks and have a night off that to, to me that's like the perfect book launch like I've been to so many I don't want to kind of you know upset anybody whose book launches I've been to in the past but I've been to so many where it's like a sit down dinner and there's like 12 people around the you know around <laughs> and it's all very kind of like exclusive posting on Instagram oh, here I am at this person's book launch which is lovely and you're very privileged to be invited to that kind of event but I'm just like nah let's yeah. just get loads of mums in for a few glasses of fizz <laughs> and a really nice chat and actually that's, that's much when more you know you're a multiple one because all you want to do when it's your chance to go out is just have <laughs> bloody good time yes <laughs> I'm like, i don't want to sit down i don't no. want to sit down and chat <laughs> i want to hear some music i want to drink it's, yes. especially this pandemic oh it's been it's been a lot we need yeah release <laughs> i can't even imagine being in a buzzy room filled with people oh. you know all drinking you know you know having a drink of wine or whatever and music in the background to me that just feels like such an alien concept right now i can't even it picture it so <laughs> is, does the book focus on pregnancy or literally right up until like up to three four five or no, so it's like, so it starts off at the moment you find out, which is obviously okay. a pretty big moment. Mm-hmm. Through pregnancy, the birth, is, it's, it's in three sections, the book. So it's basically the pregnancy, and then it's quite a few chapters on the birth. Mm-hmm. And then it's the first, the first three months or the fourth trimester. Okay. Um, and then there's a sort of section at the end, which is kind of like, I'll look ahead to what you've got to look forward to. So it's, I guess, things like weaning and potty training and, you know, the first holiday you go on with your, with your twins. But that's just like, you know, a bit of a sort of brief look ahead to mm-hmm. kind of what's cool. coming. A lot of this stuff I haven't even done myself. So I haven't potty trained my twins. So I'm like, oh, you, yeah, <laughs> I've got that tough. joy to come. <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, yeah let's leave it at, at joy it's, it's a, jo- a joyous <laughs> occasion <laughs> but, um, but yeah I just want to thank you for the interview and your time oh, and I really it's been lovely in the book yes I'll send you a copy and you can come to my party oh yes <laughs> I will be coming <laughs> and I'm just gonna th- and I'm gonna wrap it up there so thank you oh thank you so much for having me no worries this is it this is the last episode of the season Thanks for supporting, listening and sharing. If you want to get in contact with me, email me at hello at oshittwins.com. If you want to get involved, you have any ideas for the next season or just want to give me your feedback, drop me an email. Thanks for listening to the Oh Shit Twins podcast. You can find me, Georgia Martell, on Facebook and Instagram at Oh Shit Twins. And please don't forget to like, share and subscribe.